Into every generation, there is a chosen one. Uh, excuse me, two. One girl in all the world. Two, two girls? Who is this guy? She is... This might have been a... Big Miss Stake. Stake. S-T-A-K-E. Like what you kill a vampire with. A Buffy podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of Big Miss Steak. I'm Melissa. Hi y'all, I'm Aditi. And today we're here to talk about Season 1, Episode 7 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel. It's a doozy. Aditi, how are you feeling right now? The roller coaster of emotions that coursed through my body, I am ready to discuss. Is there anything you would like to start with, or should we just jump right in to slay or nay? Um, I would like to say that I feel so validated in my love of Angel and also my I'm like my vested interest in Buffy and Angel. Do they have a fan couple name or was this like pre It was pre-Brangelina, so probably not. Oh, they do. They do. What is it? Bangel. Oh, yeah. It's awful. Awful as the pairing itself. Ah. Uh. I cannot believe that you feel validated in your love for Angel after this episode. Hang on. Let me just read the summary so that we're all on the same page. And then we can begin our fight. Episode summary. While Buffy grows more and more annoyed with Angel's mysterious disappearing act, she can't deny her growing obsession with him. Meanwhile, it's killing Xander that Buffy doesn't have a clue how he feels about her, and as he vents his frustration to Willow, she understands all too well. And in the underworld, the master is incensed that Buffy has taken the lives of so many members of his family, and he summons warrior vampires to annihilate her. Okay, so to the important part, the angel stuff. Why do you feel validated (laughs) now because we know he's a vampire? Well, no, I feel validated because it's like a complex story. Like, he's not just like some little lurker. Like, he, he is complicated. He's trying to vindicate... Redeem, excuse me, he's trying to redeem himself from his past and, you know, who doesn't love a curse? And I mean, everybody loves a star-crossed lover situation for television. For real life, it's sad, but for television, it's fun to watch. <laughs> okay, so it's good that he's a vampire on TV. Real life vampires, not not cute. No? I feel like real life vampires is much more what we do in the shadows <laughs> than Angel. It's probably pretty banal and kind of sad. <laughs> I'm very excited to get into it because I have so many feelings about everything that happened on the show. Oh, I have feelings too. They're all bad. Wow. (laughs) We are locked in a cosmic duel. My only love born of my only hate. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of hate, let's get into Slay or Nay. Slay or Nay. Okay. What do you think? about Buffy's outfits. Y'all, y'all know that I I love, I love me some Buffy. I, I feel that she can do no wrong in most ways, but I really disliked most of her outfits in this episode. Yeah, there weren't a lot of slays for, for me from her. A lot of nays. I almost all nays on my behalf. You know what? I really did like the first outfit that she wears. The polyester blue jacket? Oh, no, 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 no. Not the polyester blue jacket. The stuff under it. There was like a white halter top with like a a black crocheted thing over it that it sort of looked like she got caught in like a cool net. Very chic, very outdoorsy. Could be used (laughs) as a trap if she has to hunt vampires later. Very versatile. Five stars. Loved it. She's multi-purpose. Yeah. Multi-purpose. Very rugged. And yeah, that was that was all I have for her this yeah. episode. It was kind yeah. of a slow one, fashion-wise. It was a lot of nays. I did like the blue shirt and leather pants that she wore uh, towards like the last like 20 minutes of the episode where she goes to Angel's apartment. Ooh. And I did like her blue top and cross, but in general, I love Buffy and I love blue, but it's a it's a it's a nay for me, dog. Well, she really took a took a different avenue this episode because normally she's in like a whole mod mm-hmm. uh scene, but 
this episode, not one single mod dress to be found. There were no boots that approached her knees. Very short boots, distressingly short. Is she okay? Just do, do we need to check on her? Are her knees cold? Poor Buffy. She's really been through it this episode. <laughs> yeah, so Buffy, not great. Willow continues to just really hit me in my feels with her bad clothes. I didn't really feel like any of her outfits were extraordinary in this episode. They were consistently bad in her consistent flavor of bad. Very age-appropriately bad. Yeah, age-appropriately bad. Xander, all bad, but there was one standout for me. <laughs> Let's hear it. I think it's the same. The chartreuse yes, button down. Yes, with <laughs> the chartreuse. So you, so Melissa is a wordsmith and used chartreuse. I used vomit green when <laughs> I wrote that down because I did not have any other feelings for it except vomitatious. This is the color that they kept putting Cordelia in inexplicably. I don't remember when that color had like an age where it was, I don't know, the Pantone choice of the year or whatever they do now. (laughs) But like, maybe it was their generation's millennial pink. Who's who's to say? Yes, yes. Uh, It was bad. It was it was Y2K bad. Not Y2K, just Y. Ah, I love that. Speaking of um, our girl, Queen Cordelia Chase, Mm -hmm. the so uh, the two outfits I want to talk about is the like very form fitting dress she wears at the bronze which is objectively not good but she's just so cute and it's like she's oh, so she looks pretty great. and like fit yeah like she just looks great in it like she she just looks great and um that todd oldham dress is a lot but <laughs> she looks great in it i actually i have that as my first ever cordelia nay the one-of-a-kind todd oldham dress sorry girl no, I don't I don't like it. I just like I have to respect it though. Like it's neither a slay nor a nay. It transcends the binary. Oh, it is clearly within the realm of the binary for me. Don't don't be so essentialist. You really have to ex- <laughs> you have to expand your mind. I will say though when Queen Cordelia Chase goes after that girl and says, "This is a cheap knockoff. What a cheap knockoff. This is what you get with those free trade agreements." I was like, "Wow, Cordelia is a comrade. I loved it. I love me a, a I love me a subtle NAFTA burn. It was great. This show has layers. Cordelia has layers. She is part of Rose Twitter. Also, a uh, shout out to Todd Oldham, a real designer that I just learned. <laughs> and he's from Texas. Shout out to Corpus. Yeehaw! Is this the time to get into Angel's Tattoo? Yeah, I actually did a lot of research on Angel's Tattoo. Let's go. Take me home. As I'm sure you were thrilled to learn, our boy Angel comes from the Emerald Isle. Yes. Would you Would you care to talk about <laughs> your relationship to the Irish? Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting pivot for me. Um, <laughs> It's just something I've decided to get into this year. I do have a love for the Irish community because as an Indian, we both um, experienced the horrors of colonization from Great Britain. So obviously, I have a great kinship. But more importantly, I, like a lot of people in quarantine, watched normal people and it utterly decimated me. I had to lie on the floor and listen to Elliot Smith for an hour after the (laughs) finale and it's just like it's the saddest horniest show and honestly what better show to really be the mood of quarantine so i have decided with that one show and also our shared uh you know traumatic experience of being oppressed i'm like really into like the irish the stars have really aligned I have been hearing Aditi speak praises of Irishmen for the last couple of months now, and I have just been waiting for this reveal. And I was not disappointed because I got a couple of all capital text messages from her at 2 Uh, (laughs) a.m. last night. They know oppression. They have faith. They, uh, they've written some great poems. Paul Mescal, call me. And David Boreanaz, also Irish. Is he? No. Oh, <laughs> no, he's not. Is that like Italian? I want to know what kind of spicy white is he? <laughs> so we've established that that both Angel and David Aborianus are Irish. <laughs> and <laughs> as a tribute to their Irish heritage, Angel got a sick back 
tattoo. Let's discuss. So Joss Whedon has described the origin of the tattoo thusly. Angel's tattoo actually has a very fascinating story behind it. When we said we wanted a tattoo, Todd McIntosh, our makeup artist, and I want to point out that it's spelled M-C-I-N-T-O-S-H, implying that he is Irish, not Scottish. That is actually very true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Todd McIntosh, our makeup artist, said, how about this? And we said, okay. And one unexpected side note to that story is that I asked, what is that, a bird or something? And Todd said, "Uh uh-huh. So that's the origin. The design is based on an illustration from the Book of Kells, which is an actual, real manuscript. Uh, It is a gospel book created in a Columban monastery in either Britain or Ireland. We can assume Ireland. I mean, based on this new evidence that is being unearthed in, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Someone should tell the archivist, I guess. Angel's tattoo is a copy of the symbol known as Lion of St. Mark. The representation as a lion is derived from Mark's description of John the Baptist as the voice of the one who cries in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. So I assume that is, that means like he got a soul now, he can straighten up his path. Yeah, I mean, it's like that uh, killer song, I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. Wow. (laughs) Two equally researched explanations. Y'all, I don't do the research because I'm afraid of spoilies. No, 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 no. And I'm so glad you don't because I love these reveals for you. I really do. (laughs) I honestly, like, I have never felt like my life coming into this really beautiful poetic crescendo. Like, I started off as a joke. I watch normal people. I also know history. And now this? (laughs) What a pivot. What a pivot. Although I love my sweet Irish friend, his tattoo is a nay. His tattoo is, yes, hard nay. Hard nay. Also, he has that leather duster. <laughs> that is, uh, would you say it's a sleigh or a nay? I think he wears it confidently enough for him to think it's a sleigh. <laughs> ultimately, isn't that what, that's what fashion is all about, for you to feel good about yourself. Such a diplomatic answer. I love it. I'm ready to be an ambassador to Ireland. Okay, so is it enough of a sleigh to buy it from Hugo Boss for... <laughs> for over a thousand dollars in 1997 money wow okay i was like you can go to uniqlo and get that for like 79 dollars but okay over a thousand dollars wow that's a crime haven't the irish been through enough honestly but you know what i do like about angel is he commits to an aesthetic that works for him leather duster white shirt pant (laughs) the big three you know it's just like (laughs) He knows what works for him and he commits. He's much like, um, you know, all these tech geniuses always wear the same thing because they're like, I don't want to put work into it. And there's some like mythology developed around this whole, like, you know, if I wear the same thing, I can put my creative energy into other things. Yeah, like Elizabeth Holmes. Yes, exactly. I think that, uh, I think that Angel also is like, look, I have to put a lot of energy into protecting Buffy and managing having a soul that's annoying and Mm. all of you know so I'm just gonna I'm gonna get the same look every day because I hit it I mean he does look good I will say I I think he pulls it off well yeah maybe not worth a thousand dollars but like he looks nice (laughs) before we end Slayer Day can we please discuss Giles's jousting costume yes let's talk about Giles's Giles's jousting costume dumb it it looked like it was supposed to be for football <laughs> he's just trying i don't know if they taught this in oxford or wherever he went i love how they continue to dunk on giles for his his love of old things and his <laughs> mistrust of anything invented after a book was so like he, he was like you never know what they're gonna fight with probably a stick Darla has two guns. guns she has yeah. guns. He's he's part of the Gutenberg boys. Gutenberg guys, excuse me. <laughs> he's, he's a Gutenberg guy. He's like, printing press or nothing. The only thing adjustable about me is my type. That's Giles. <laughs> <laughs> that would be his Real Housewives of Sunnydale. <laughs> yeah. Real Watchers of Sunnydale. <laughs> Real Watchers of Sunnydale, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I will say overall, pretty... Pretty unstylish episode. Moving on. Is it cute? 
So who's our bad guy this episode? You want to do... I have four. You have four. Okay. I have four bad guys. I have Darla. I have the master slash the main orc. I have the three. And for you, I put in (gasps) Angel. Wow. Because he he was a little bad in this episode. Yeah. And he has has a villainous past. He does. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you for being so open-minded. Our friendship is growing. Our knowledge is growing. What a wonderful experience. Well, you know, I I am brave enough to see a world where maybe <laughs> killing people for years and years was not great. Not cute. Not cute. So we have the master. We've already talked about whether or not he is cute. However, I will say that my adoration for him grows <laughs> because you see him acting as a mentor. To call him? Yeah, to middle management orc Colin. He is being very supportive. He calls everybody a family, which is the most upper management shit I have ever heard. That is so true. That is so true. He absolutely does that. Mm Wow, 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 wow. There needs to be some healing. Let's take it to the family. So clearly he is upper management, and I appreciate that he has... Sort of like an apprenticeship mentoring program for young Colin and and watching watching them support each other and and help them get better at their individual crafts is like very heartwarming. It's adorable. And mentorship is really important, you know? It is. I will say that that mentorship is probably unpaid. So of course it went to a white boy. Hmm. The connections you are making right now are wrinkling my brain. Yeah. Yeah. Hell is not just other people, but hell is an office. Hell is an office. Hell is an office. I don't know where Darla fits in to this uh, this org, though. Where is she on the org chart? So to me, Darla is physically cute, personality, not cute. Outfits, not cute. Who is that schoolgirl uniform fooling? You are clearly 35. No one <laughs> thinks you're a student. I think she also, like the master has... A very endearing voice to me. Darla also has a very unique voice. She has, her voice sort of reminds me of like the voice that a cartoon cat would have. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she has like that feline cattiness. So yeah. 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 So like when she and the master have conversations, it is very funny to me because I find both of, both of their voices to be just like a little bit ridiculous. (laughs) Honestly, y'all, I don't care for Darla. I don't care for her either. So Darla... Physically cute, outfits not cute, personality not cute. I feel like you and I diverge on the master. I think he's 0 for 2. I think that the three are 0 for 2. The three are definitely 0 for 2. They sort of look like Kiss as done by Danny Trejo. (laughs) But you know what is cute? Hmm. Friendship. I was going to say, is it brotherhood? Yeah. I mean, the one would not be cute, but the three, very cute. Mm -hmm. Support, cute. Support. In this time of chaos and isolation, brotherhood is cute. And uh, yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on Angel. Okay, look. Remember when we were doing the teacher's pet episode and you were like, thank God they didn't do it the other way where a creepy old man preys on a high school girl because everybody knows that is too taboo. Well, we have arrived. They've done it. They've been doing it the whole time. He is like 250 years old and... I hate how they play that he just, like, simply cannot control himself around Buffy. Sir, you are a grown adult and she is 16. Calm down. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Let me see how I can dig myself out of this hole. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Question. Do you think that so much of that dynamic is predicated on also physically aging? Well, yes, but I I don't think that Miss French or the the human manifestation of the virgin thief was, uh, <laughs> I don't think she was significantly older than Angel, right? I mean, Angel is like, he's supposed to be like 24 or something. God, did we look that old at 24? I, I think even 24 is pushing it because her excuse for him in this episode is that he is a student at the local community college. Oh, we'll address that scene. So like, unless he took a couple gap years, that still wouldn't (laughs) account for him being, you know what I mean? It would have been a hell of a gap. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. But I also think that 
Buffy is not a normal girl. She has had a lot of things happen to her that have made her grow up. And also her options for dating are very limited because of her life and because of her prophecy. So I think the traditional dynamics are maybe a little bit subverted because inherent in the tension of an older person, younger person are like power dynamics and choice. And it seems like Buffy is someone who has had a very different life and therefore has a lot of power, a lot of agency in her choices. I I understand what you're saying. I think she isn't normally written like a teenage girl. I Mm -hmm. think they do play up the teenage girl a lot in this episode, like the scene with her diary Mm -hmm. and and her just sort of like screaming when he turns into evil vamp angel instead of actually like doing something about it like she would if it was anyone else. Yeah. The thing that I have the biggest problem with is Angel, who's supposed to be the adult in this situation, repeatedly saying things like, I can't control myself around yeah. you. I yeah. can't, like, yeah. no, like he needs to have agency and choice as well. And they've sort of written that away from him. And that is gross. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm very curious to see how they would have written those exper- those dynamics or those interactions now in 2020. Mm-hmm. So... It's just such a tried and true trope that we find in television and in literature and in folklore and all of these, all of the like narratives that exist, like this like irresistibility of being together. Mm -hmm. And again, like maybe I'm being very forgiving because these dynamics would never transpire on earth, like with like having vampires and slayers. If it was like a normal 24 year old and a normal 16 year old, I would oh my gosh that would be that would be pretty gross but yeah I don't know that's that's an interesting point I wonder how much of it is because this is such a such a well-established trope and I also wonder how much of it is because it's supposed to be you know fantastical and also some of it is because we have low standards they put it in a sort of consequence-free environment weirdly where yeah you know it's all make-believe and nobody gets hurt whatever whatever It's interesting the way that they did it with Angel versus the way that they did it with the Virgin Thief. I think that Buffy is just, yeah, like her life has such limited options and who she can be authentic with. And therefore, if she finds someone that she can be authentic with about who she is and her like obligations and her her expectations and all of the things that she has to navigate as a young person, then she clearly has a connection. It just so happens that it's with an old Irish vampire. What pisses me off, really, is that they write Xander so poorly that even though he checks all of those boxes that you listed, he is not seen as a viable option Because he's her. not mature. Well, neither is Angel. Oh, I can't control myself. Okay, maybe cut off the bottom of your jacket and learn some self-control. Like, <laughs> Wow, this is so wrinkling my brain i can't believe you compared xander a buffoon to the the suave and sophisticate that is angel no 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 no. i'm i'm comparing them because i think that he is someone that he's already shared this part of her life with he knows that she is the slayer and he's supported her in that in his limited capability he is of an appropriate age and they do share a lot of life experience like going to school and having that stuff be important as opposed to just the murder and nothing else also they can go outside in the daytime together that's important but i think that xander is written to be so completely awful in this episode (laughs) that it just like it never occurred to me that he even could be a match for her until I started taking notes for this pod all all I'm gonna say is there's no accounting for chemistry that's fair there's no accounting for chemistry I think if Xander had stayed hyena Xander honestly might have had a shot and isn't that so sad because his personality sucks yeah the way he handles his relationship with Buffy is so bad that when he turned into a literal animal he was better. <laughs> no, these are interesting points that you're making. And it's making me reflect upon my inconsistencies. And that's not cute. <laughs> Self-reflection, difficult and thus not cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. Did we decide cute or not cute on Angel? We're heavily split. I think we're yeah. solidly split down the middle. Okay. I'm two for two. I think that you are maybe physically cute, personality not cute. Yeah, I'm one for two. Mm. Mm. Well... Let's get into it. So this episode 
we open in the master's office in his boardroom. <laughs> he's he's giving his little middle management baby some rocks to throw in the lake. Do you think this was like, you know, this is you know this is like bring your kid to work day? <laughs> yeah. Bring your anointed one to hell day. <laughs> They're talking about how Buffy is really messing up their projections. They're never going to hit forecast if the Slayer keeps uh, keeps messing with their numbers. Yeah. And I think that, you know, poor Darla, she probably has the brains to do strategy, but they siloed her into administration. She does have the brains because she came up with the plan. I know, but she probably works in like administration because they probably don't think she can do it. Yeah, the master probably listens to her, takes his ideas and passes them off as his own. He does tell Colin how to delegate in this episode, which I thought was very funny. He, he like delegated the murder of the three and was like, you know, you have to let him feel powerful sometimes. Make him feel like they, you know, like make him feel like they have agency. They got to be invested in the company. So much of being a CEO is just managing up, right? And so much of it is inspiring your your direct reports to do the best job they can. Mm-hmm. It's it's about empowering your employees to reach their goals. Do you think that the master does any TED talks? I hope that outfit is a perfect TED talk outfit. TEDx Hellmouth. <laughs> would watch would be inspired exactly so yeah i when i first met darla i was like she has very like go-go from kill bill episode one energy because she's like schoolgirl and chaotic and Mm -hmm. you know don't really know what her deal is but she's she's ready to fight oh let me tell you some stuff about darla darla is played by the actress julie benz she originally auditioned for the role of Buffy, just like every other female character in the show. <laughs> Darla has the first line of any character in the show in that first scene, which I remember you saying was very um, Roswell, mm-hmm. reminiscent of Roswell. When I was looking up Julie Benz for this episode, I learned that she was actually in the first season of Roswell. So that might be why you made that association. I've never seen a full episode. I just kind of know. But man, look at me. Look at you. On the job. She played... Kathleen Topolsky in the first season of Roswell. I don't know what that means. Let let us know, Slayerettes. How do you feel about Roswell? Is it cute? Is Roswell cute? <laughs> yeah, so that's Darla. And then we see that the master is like, look, you three have done your leadership training. You've really put in the hours. I feel like I'm ready to give you this assignment by yourself. We're rooting for you. We're a family. Take the learnings from our time together and really apply them as you go out and try to move the needle in our direction. Let's move the needle. Let's disrupt the bronze. (laughs) Okay, we go to the bronze. Can we discuss this fumigation party? Because it was horrific. I was so upset. For those of you who are who are not watching along with us, this fumigation party that happens at the bronze happens every year and they have everyone on the hunt for live cockroaches. And if you turn one in to a bronze employee, you get a free drink. And that's why it's called a fumigation party, because they clean all the roaches out of the bronze, of which there are many. That's honestly a terrible business plan because you can't get rid of them by killing one. You have to get to the source. And alcohol is more expensive than buying roach traps. Or, you know what? Or, you know what? Maybe I'm the asshole. Maybe it's cheaper than getting a fumigator to come out. Yeah, maybe it is. You got a legion of little little baby fumigators and they're not even giving away alcohol because a lot of them are not old enough to drink. They're all in high school. That's true. So it's probably just like tea that they're giving out or something that is very cost effective can you imagine killing a roach just to get a fucking diet pepsi no like i would never like i respect myself too much yes i respect myself too much to descend to this joe's apartment (laughs) blah no unsubscribe (laughs) if that happened one time at a place that i went to I would burn it to the ground and never come back. The one positive thing about the fumigation party is that we see Cordelia turning in a roach to someone and like props to all these actors and actresses who literally handled live roaches. Those were live, right? Yeah, like I would never, I would just lose my job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But she turns in a roach to someone working at the bronze and his uniform is a silver shirt. Incredible. I love it. 
incredible. The metallic commitment in the bronze. Also, the commitment to silver. Like, they chose the wrong metallic. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Do you think it was very tongue-in-cheek? Ooh, yeah, probably. <laughs> it's like when they go to Club 96 on RuPaul's Drag Race instead of Club 69. Oh, oh, goodness. Club 96. <laughs> and now, a word from our sponsor. Here in Sunnydale, body modification is all the rage. We know that you've got your pick of options for transfiguration, but as far as tattoos go, there's only one. Stake and Poke Tattoo. Their patented method of tattooing involves passionately driving the ink deep into your skin and soul with a railroad spike to ensure that your poorly translated Chinese characters will last not only the rest of your life, but your afterlife as well. Get a tattoo of your ex's name, and then get it covered by a wilted rose and your favorite Papa Roach lyrics in Old E. Don't worry, they've definitely seen worse. Mention the Fightin' Irish to get 10% off all poor decisions stemming from the Book of Kells. Steak and Poke Tattoo. Don't just regret it for the rest of your life. Regret it forever. So, yeah, we're at the bronze, and Willow and Buffy are having a heart-to-heart about boys. Ugh! They just drive us crazy. Can't live with them. Can't live without them, am I right? I know. I know. At the tender age of 16. So they're there, and uh, my notes were just, like, unsurprising that Xander is a terrible dancer. Xander and the- Xander coming in hot with the hooker comment, did not love. Did not love. Yeah. Xander is at his worst in this episode. Really embarrassed- for him as my emotional core. <laughs> Joss Whedon has said in interviews and things that Xander, the character, was a representation of himself. Wow. I wonder, like, because, you know, you always view yourself, you you are your own worst critic right. sometimes. Right. And I wonder if that's why he's so awful or is Joss Whedon just not great? Not cute. Not cute. Yeah, I I think also, like, they try and play Xander for, like, comedic value. And he does have these, like, comedic bits. And again, like, making jokes about hookers was much more common, you know, 22 years ago, 23 years ago. Now the landscape has changed so much. And so I think that's also an important thing to recognize. Yeah, I think if he had said something besides Hooker, the setup to the joke was was good, and it still would have landed just the same. Yeah, I, I, I that's interesting about um Joss Whedon. I didn't know that. But yeah, they they're they're at the bronze, and then Buffy's like, "Ugh, I'm tired. I'm tired of these roaches. I'm tired of these men. I'm just leaving." I don't know why someone sitting in a literal roach pit looks so sad. <laughs> Disgusting. And then, so she's she's walking home, but she drops, then she drops the best line. It's late, I'm tired, and I don't want to play games. Loved it. She's great. A cranky slayer is a careless slayer. I know. So the three show up beginning because they want to obviously execute their vision for greater cross energy. <laughs> yes. They synergize <laughs> around her. And they have, uh, you know, they, they have her people call their people, and then they, they execute the vision. And then, who shows up? Angel. You know who shows up? The fighting Irish. <laughs> exactly. Go Notre Dame. Um, so, <laughs> so they show up and then there's like, there's some fighting, but then uh, my, my man gets slashed in the leg or something. No, ribs. He gets slashed <laughs> in the, the ribs. ribs. <laughs> he gets slashed in the ribs. And then they have to scamper off into her home. She come, He comes in. And then we see him take off his jacket. Mm-hmm. And then his shirt. Ooh. And then we see this horrific tattoo that we have discussed. <laughs> Honestly, maybe the roaches were preferable. I don't know. Wait, so, so describe to me your emotions as we went through these series of events. Okay. <clears throat> First, I was like, ugh. He's such a good fighter. And then I was like, he's hurt. And then we get to the house and he's like, I can't. And then I have to be invited in. And then I was like, just like Vampire Diaries, this show is so foundational to my understanding of the world. And then he comes in and then I was like, oh, it's about to get good. And then he takes off his 
in his leather cape, for lack of a better term. And then I was like, all right. This is one of the three things he constantly wears. And then he takes off his shirt. And I was like, two of the three things he constantly wears. We're getting so close. And then you see his tattoo. And I, I just didn't know what to do with it. It's so ugly. So all the steam that was in the room just dissipated. Yeah. <laughs> whap to dap. Someone, yeah, someone just like threw a bucket of snow on your lap. That was it. Yeah. So we, <laughs> so we see that. And then who, of course, then what happens? Obviously Buffy's mom comes home. Well, there's a very important Angel is a dick bag conversation that takes place that I see you've just glossed over. <laughs> I have no memory of this. Buffy was like, oh my God, were you following me? Is it because you like me? And Angel was like, no, I just follow you. It's terrible. And I hate it. I hate it so much. I I I don't remember this. I don't recall. This was uh, <laughs> like when you were seeing the tattoo. So I, <laughs> I understand if you might have just blacked out for a second. Like time stopped and there was a record scratch. And <laughs> I both became of the tattoo and in the tattoo. And it was, it really, it really subverted my sense of reality. Aditi, yeah. would you ever get matching angel tattoos with me? Absolutely. If we ever get to <laughs> leave our homes. If we make it homes, to the end of the podcast. Yeah. If we get to leave our homes and finish this podcast in six years, absolutely. You heard it here, guys. I would get my angel tattoo on my neck because I want people to know. <laughs> and also, like, it's a vampire thing. You uh, probably wouldn't understand. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. What if I just get, like, two, like, vampire holes on my neck? I would call angel a vampire hole. <laughs> Yes, I saw the tattoo and my mind was temporarily broken. But then it immediately came back to life because sweet Mommy Summers walks in. God bless her. Sweet, innocent Joyce. I will say Joyce has some maternal instinct kick in when she sees Angel. I just was like, damn, if that were me, my mother would have needed to see three forms of ID. Just like the fan of Bones are called boners, she would have been a boner killer. But Joyce was chill. She really wasn't a boner killer. Joyce was raised in America. There are some things that just it just hit different if you are if you come of age in a different country, and that is being cowabunga chill about your daughter hanging out with someone clearly many years older than you. This episode aired on Sarah Michelle Gellar's twentieth birthday, Aww. so she was nineteen, playing a sixteen-year-old mm-hmm. when all of this was being shot. David Boreanaz was. 28 years old so he was almost a decade her senior (laughs) in retrospect joy should have been less chill she was so chill that she was just like oh excuse me i've interrupted your sexual tension allow me to just allow me to just waltz upstairs y'all stop right bye (laughs) so joyce waltzes upstairs And, of course, the two kids just walk upstairs, too, directly into Buffy's room. (laughs) Unreal. Unreal. So so we learn in this scene that the fightin' Irish's family is dead, Mm -hmm. and they were killed by vampires. Mm -hmm. But it was a long time ago, and she was like, wait a minute, that's kind of a big thing to drop. Maybe I should ask some follow-up questions. And he was just like, shh you're pretty and she was like oh and then she stops but like that was his shut up tactic and it worked i'm very disappointed by this scene i hate angel i just think that's realistic like a super hot guy was into me at 16 was like don't worry about it be like well all right it is realistic and they they really play up her teenageness here in a way that they don't in a lot of the other parts of the series and i think that's why i hate the relationship with Angel and Buffy. Well, so much. I I think okay, but I also think that she's so capable. Like we've talked about this, like she never more is capable and witty and sharp when she is than when she is battling vampires. Right, like that's when her mm-hmm. her repartee comes out. That's when she's really quick. So it makes sense that there's probably a little bit of deficit in other areas because she has to be so on top of it. Yeah, that's true. But I don't think a two hundred and fifty year old man should take advantage of those deficits. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. 
I have, I have nothing. I have, I don't have anything to say that'll help my cause, nor do I want to make concessions for this clearly very <laughs> realistic situation. So I got nothing. Okay, that's fine. We can move on. It's a TV show. No 16-year-olds were harmed. <laughs> <laughs> no 16-year-olds are dating 240-year-olds, I promise. Yeah, it's it's fine. Everything's fine. So so Buffy shares this information with the Slayerettes, mm-hmm. and Giles is like, oh, the three failed. They're going to have to report to HR for discipline. Mm. And it cuts to HR where discipline is performed. <laughs> so a good leader knows how to delegate. Darla kills him. Mm-hmm. The anointed one seems to be learning a lot during this work-study program. <laughs> he is really coming into his own. Uh, he's a promising young upstart, you know? Yeah, poor Darla. She has to do so much paperwork, you know? Like, it's tough. The master and the anointed one are all sort of strategy. Mm-hmm. And she's the one whose boots on the ground. She's she's a doer. She's enacting the plans. Mm-hmm. And uh, they really don't listen to her input as much as they should. And you know, you would think that you would listen to people on the ground, but as we know, time and time again, the ivory tower. I mean, this is sort of an inverted ivory tower wherein it is actually underground instead of high above the ground, but the, <laughs> the sentiment remains. Hell is the office. Then we cut back to Joyce's house when <laughs> Buffy, with flagrant disrespect, is housing a 240-year-old. A 240-year-old demon. <laughs> well, this is when we get to the apex Oh? Of the show. Oh? When they finally kiss. Okay, walk us through it. So I'm sitting there. (laughs) I'm watching. (laughs) Furiously taking down notes. And then I see them get closer, and I'm like, yes, (laughs) it's happening. And then it happened. Oh. And then I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. They have great chemistry. I'm excited. I'm here. And then... He turns into a goddamn vampire! <laughs> Twist! Good lord! So, were you aware that Angel had vampiric tendencies prior to this? I'm probably sure I did. Like, the TV show was, like, advertised when we were younger. And, I mean, they probably mentioned it there. To be honest, I knew that there was something spooky scary about him. But I forgot <laughs> until now. I was like, oh shit, he's a vampire. Like, he wasn't normal. Right? Like, he's not, he's not, like, a normal person. I assumed he had some element, some, some flair of the supernatural, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. wow. You can tell from his, his bat-like leather drapery <laughs> that he has some connection to hell. That should have tipped us off. Like, he probably wears his coat duster to shroud himself in, <laughs> to protect from the sunlight. <laughs> what a journey. I think, like, my heart Loved it, uh, but I will say probably the emotional core of the episode was the tattoo reveal. <laughs> okay, so so here's my notes from the same scene. <laughs> same scene, opposing sides. Back at home, Angel continues to lurk in Buffy's room in the dark. He lets her tell him in detail what was in her diary before stopping her by admitting he was in the closet watching her mom. Why did he not leave? I guess he was stuck there during the day, but... She doesn't know that because obviously she would assume that he could like climb out the window as she does and just like go about his life instead of lurk there forever because the danger was from vampires. The vampires weren't going to come out during the day. So why that was not raising any red flags, I do not know. They kiss after he tells her he's too old and that he can't control himself. He is a monster this should be no surprise to anyone paying attention. I guess when you've laid all in front of me, I <laughs> should have suspected it. What a, what a twist. What a twist. I think it got more interesting because like they obviously have chemistry, but it'd be kind of boring if he was just like some dude with insomnia that followed her around and did a fighting. <laughs> like this is obviously far more interesting. You're right. It is. It's better for the show that he's a vampire. Yeah. And I get that like he has to have a past. So like, yes, he has to be old. But, like, the side effects of that are very difficult for me to overlook. It's like when you see a commercial for medication for your mild inconvenience, and the side effect is, like, heart failure, death. (laughs) Like, I 
I get it and it addresses the problem, but maybe the side effects are worse. Don't get between me and Lester's leg syndrome medication. <laughs> These legs gotta be still. <laughs> I don't care the cost. <laughs> these legs are tired. Let these legs rest. Let these legs rest. What a what a journey. <laughs> what a journey. Okay, they they attach mouths and then he turns into a monster and flees. Recounting this to the Slayerettes, Xander is horrified. Darla shows up at Angel's crypt dressed as a schoolgirl, <laughs> just adding to the Lolita of it all. Mm, yes, yes. She reveals his fridge is full of blood, and I really did enjoy that reveal. We we learn more about Angel's true nature and what he was like before he was Angel, back when he was Angelus. Angelus. Irish Angelus. Mm-hmm. But look, all it said was he has a past, all bad boys do. <laughs> all bad boys do. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Not have a past? <laughs> okay, so so now they're trying to figure out what's up with Angel Mm -hmm. and Giles reads a diary, big reading other people's diaries theme in this episode. (laughs) He finds record of Angelus, the one with the angelic face. Mm. I thought you'd like that little throwaway Giles has. (laughs) They learn he's 240 years old. Mm -hmm. 80 years ago, he comes to America, shuns other vampires, lives alone. Mm -hmm. I would first attribute this to his horrible personality. (laughs) But, you know, they, they see that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. I also want to say that this storyline was directly lifted into the Vampire Diaries. Really? Yeah. 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 They have, there's a, there's like a plot line where one of the characters has to turn off his humanity and then he just goes wild. <laughs> then he <laughs> like goes on a killing spree and then Ooh. he turns back his humanity and is like, oh, I eschew other vampiric tendencies. <laughs> So they just like flip it on and off like yeah. a switch. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there was some uh, light lifting of care of storylines. I mean, art influences art. This is true. This is true. Without the white album, we wouldn't have the black album. That's true. <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're Giles is Giles is concerned. Willow has all her normie fantasies and concerns. Love Willow. The only age appropriate character. She really like Compared to everybody else in this episode, she just seems so young. And Xander, too, I guess, because he acts like a child. Yeah. His reaction to all of this is off-putting and bad. But, like, the thing is, uh, on some level, Xander is not wrong. Angel is a vampire. Yeah, but he's not raising those concerns because for, like, the nobility of them all. He's just raising it because he can't get with Buff. That's true. He's, He's raising them for the wrong reasons. But the concerns are still valid. Yeah, but I'm here for the right reasons. <laughs> I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> that's what, that's the thing. That's Angel. He's here for the right reasons. He's not here to make friends. I. You know what? That is a very good description of Angel. I think I get him now. This, this isn't Sunnydale's best friend race. <laughs> exactly. So that, all that is happening. But then the scary part of the show happens when... Darla knocks on the door and Joyce opens it. I feel very protective of Joyce. Love Joyce. Love Joyce. It makes me very upset when she's in danger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But honestly, sweet, naive Joyce, when that 35-year-old woman <laughs> in a Catholic schoolgirl Halloween costume showed up at your door, some sort of warning sign should have appeared she just really lives in this beautiful fantasy land when her daughter socializes with 35-year-olds both socially and romantically, and also all the teachers care so much. I, I know. She just, she sees the best in everyone. Yeah. And I love that quality in her. Gotta see the worst sometimes. Yeah. So Joyce invites her in. Darla pulls a little sneaky, <laughs> and and she, she gets some blood, mm-hmm. and she tricks Angel into being caught holding the bag. <laughs> the bag being... Buffy's unconscious mother. I will say, this was a stake through the heart. Stake through the heart! Oh no, this hurt your feelings? It did, because it hurt my feelings in two parts. One, it hurt my feelings when 
Buffy thought Angel would hurt her mom. And then it really hurt my feelings when Buffy thought she'd let her mother down. Yeah, that was really tough. I she She was racking herself with guilt. And honestly, if I were in her position, I would probably come to those same conclusions. Yeah. I really enjoyed that the excuse that the hospital made up for Joyce for having lost so much blood from two holes in her neck was that she (laughs) slipped and fell on a barbecue fork. We don't have a barbecue fork. But like, can you imagine someone slipping and landing on an upright? (laughs) (laughs) Like That is, that is some Looney Tunes level. I know. (laughs) yeah yeah so i did not love that but then i loved when daddy giles came and i was like look maybe they fall in love they're age appropriate they are age appropriate you've got to ship someone yeah (laughs) and honestly joyce and giles are not a bad pair they're both single yeah exactly exactly they like old shit she likes art he likes anything you know 1400s related yeah I love that. And then I loved, I loved when Miss Buffy shows up to Angel's abode with that fucking crossbow. Yes, ma'am. She looked so good. I was so ready for it because, you know, I think that's the thing. Yeah, this this episode, they do like, they do play off the like, oh, I'm so unsure and like, oh, my feelings. And like, obviously, those are very natural parts of Buffy. She's a teenage girl, but she's also a slayer and she is ready to slay and she she's pissed. She thought someone hurt her mom. Yeah, I I love how Buffy shows up for her mom, mm-hmm. like, ready to kill. Yeah. I love that quality in a person. I love that she got the crossbow and practiced by shooting a school poster of a dude with a cigarette that said smoking sucks. <laughs> very, very 90s. We were all children of Nancy Reagan. The, the posters that they have around Sunnydale High, if you keep an eye out, they are delightful i'm ready i love them i'm ready and so so buffy shows up looking great ready to kill Mm -hmm. angel starts bemoaning his sad situation (laughs) oh i'm just an animal like look we've learned over these last seven episodes that communication (laughs) is obviously not his strong suit but like now is when you would offer a full explanation rather than trying to goad someone into killing you because... Melissa, English is not his first language. Oh, you think he's a a natural Gaelic speaker? (laughs) Yes! Yes! English is not his first language, jeez. Look, all all it would take is to be like, before you shoot me, I'm a vampire with a soul, I didn't eat your mom. That's it? I think that what we have learned is that my my prince, Angel, is a little dramatic. (laughs) That's a player for the dramatic. If that duster would imply anything. (laughs) I think that form follows function with our friend Angel. I will say that I'm stupid because it took me until this moment to watch until I realized, oh, Angel and Darla used to fuck. Angel and Darla used to fuck. Their relationship is deep. Yeah. It's toxic as hell. Yeah, it really is. And it's gone on for so long. Yeah, like, please, like, put a pin in it. Obviously, Angel and Darla have worked out a way to communicate because he exchanges more dialogue with her in one episode than he has with Buffy <laughs> in seven. And so in in, in this scene, uh, we learn that Angel's family was killed by vampires, but Angel himself was one of those vampires. Killed his own family. So uh, it wasn't a big stretch to think that he could have possibly killed Buffy's family mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We learned that he killed a Romani girl and as a curse for punishment for killing her, her family restored his soul. So now he has the power of guilt and he can't do any harm to people anymore. Let me tell you, power of guilt, very powerful. We learned that he and Darla used to bone. Yes. Learned a lot. Yes. Then we segue into probably my favorite fight. Darla and Buffy's fight was just so cool. It was so much better than all of the other fights. Loved it. A lot of great lighting in this fight. I don't care for Darla, but she is a formidable opponent. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she is the only one smart enough to bring guns. Yeah. (laughs) Why don't they all have guns? she's she's the only one paying attention. Honestly, she is the one with the vision for this company's future. Honestly. How will they maintain relevancy in 2000? 
with guns. With guns. You know what they need? More guns. The answer to everything. <laughs> Look, she may not be from America, but she has acclimatized very well. Yeah, she knows her audience. Mm-hmm. And that is a big part of mm-hmm. succeeding in the business world. Exactly. So they have a showdown. I loved it. <sighs> but then, you know, it it climaxes when Prince Angel kills Darla. The fighting Irish. Yes. And then smoldering looks. Yes, Angel, I loved it. He looked very (laughs) handsome. I was very into it. Yes, he kills Darla and the business is hurting. Her loss is is felt. Brain drain is real. Brain drain is real. And Angel was the prospective hire they wanted and he turned the job down. And you know how much effort it is to go through a hiring process? It's a lot of time and money. It is. So we, we go to the master in his boardroom and he is very sad and Colin the apprentice the student has become the master yes and he's consoling him by saying don't worry we'll kill them all just like your boy Angel loves to say (laughs) wow we are really sicked up because I wrote Colin is like we got to streamline this project to make it more efficient way to go Colin yeah yeah. and then I said oh Colin is so annoying children suck (laughs) (laughs) really leaning into that baby hatred brand Look, we're just going to go on record saying this is an anti-baby pod. Wow. Sorry, America. Yeah. Don't don't invite your babies to listen. <laughs> so then I wrote down, Melissa, how were you not moved by this episode as a child? Which we'll get into. And then... <laughs> I, so the last couple of scenes are at the bronze. And the last scene is at the bronze. And I was like, damn, Willow... Just Willow fucking takes it like a champ for everybody. She's, she's just like so strong and it's such a good friend i just feel for her i'm very excited for her to get her own story arc which i know she will and then you know who's there but angel they begin to dance i loved it (laughs) and then the last scene is when they linger on his lapels cut to black (laughs) i did not even notice the lapels because i was too busy being repulsed (laughs) by this this like cross-shaped section of raw hamburger meat that his chest had become yeah yeah because to love her hurts him (laughs) when i was a child this did not move me because i was very moved by the fun hyena episode (laughs) it was wacky there was a pig in it hyenas are cute uh xander got to brood the principal got eaten wild wacky crazy this one was a bunch of like longing Mm, and mm. wistfulness and like yeah like where were the hyenas yeah well so when i was like 10 i was obnoxious and i read weathering heights for the first time and i was like i don't like it it's weird and then (laughs) and then when i read it again as a teenager i was like oh sex Maybe that's it. Yeah. Because when I when I watched this, I was like not into sex yet. Yeah. So I I was like, I like the wacky hyenas, obviously. <laughs> there was no Buffy and Angel's storyline is very melodramatic mm-hmm. and it takes itself very seriously. It does. And I like the more tongue in cheek stuff, whether that tongue be human or something more than human like mm-hmm. a hyena. <laughs> I think it's funny because I probably, if I watched it when I was a teenager, I probably would have felt this very strongly. But as an adult, I'm like, this is so funny. Like, it's just like goofy. Like these goofy children. Shall we rate the episode? Yes. I would say this is a solid medium stakes episode. No surprises here. High stakes. Loved it. Loved the plot progression. <laughs> Loved getting to learn about the corporate infrastructure that is Hellmouth. Loved Darla and Buffy fighting. Bad girls do it well. Loved, loved it all, honestly. I am excited to get through the season because now we only have a couple more. We only have like five more episodes, right? So I was looking through the episode list and I think I spoke too soon. Last episode, I said that my favorites were The Witch and The Pack. Mm -hmm. Two of the wackiest episodes (laughs) so far. I misspoke. I think there is one that I like better that will be coming up in the next five episodes and I'm excited to get to it. Yeah, I'm excited. I think it's going to be it's going to be a really good couple episodes to get to the end and then I know season 2 picks up and we meet someone or something called a spike 
So let's do it. Oh, actually, there's two episodes I like better. You know what? I think The Witch and the Pack are not my two favorite episodes. This is a reveal. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, as you, as always, I'm excited to traverse this unknown terrain with you. Yay! Moving forward. Moving forward. They're different, but they're friends. Just like Angel's tattoo. <laughs> Angel's tattoo has no friends. <laughs> yeah, no, it's no friend of mine. <laughs> Girl's gotta have a code. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, friends. Send us photos of your worst tattoos. Oh, yes. Yeah, send us photos of your worst tattoos. I'll share my tattoo. It's not great. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to another fantastic episode of Big Mistake. If you have any messages for us, or if the apocalypse comes, beep us at BigMistakePod on Twitter or BigMistake at gmail.com. That's B-I-G-M-I-S-S-S-T-A-K-E. Catch you at the bronze.